You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. Johnson. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menounos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Being Human After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Being Human After Show. Make new friends, but keep the old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bing is for doing. And here we are doing another amazing after show for Being Human. Season 3, Episode 7. One is silver, the other pagan. And I am your host, Shano. And I'm joined here on this very special day with our awesome special guest, Sam Witwer, a.k.a. Aiden the Vampire. From our favorite show. That's me. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you so much for being here. No problem. Are we are we authorized to shake oh, hands? Yeah, we absolutely. Do let's do let's we do a, that do we have on a shot air. of that. Yeah. Awesome. Our fans at home, I'm sure they can see that right now online live. And if you guys like check out our YouTube channel too, you can see it later on. Uh, but anyway, of course you can see us, you know, we can you can see us right now live online afterbuzztv.com we're in studio b by the way and you can check us out at afterbuzztv on twitter call in live 424-256-1633 in studio b anyway so sam again thank you so much for being here we're going to do a quick recap of episode seven we're going to talk about how you felt i want to know how you felt in some of the scenes you were in how did i feel yeah and we i don't think we're going to be well this is the episode right now but i'm going to show you some screenshots just like narrate the episode and then uh the the logo comes up she's in the (laughs) hospital and people are looking very very guilty very sad very sad yes (laughs) yeah yeah because you smacked Aaron, look! You kicked her. I smacked her with my foot. Yes. I just reached out and punched her with my foot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, it's interesting because, like, in this episode, a lot of Nora and Aiden are uh, there is a divide that is taking place. It's, it's sort of forming right now. Yes, it happened kind of slowly. Started being introduced early in the season, and now it's actually happening, and it's going to get worse. And uh, it's reaching its crest, I feel right now. Yeah, and and it's funny because we, you know, in terms of the feedback from fans, people are like, well, "Why is Nora being so hard on Aiden?" And as an as the actor who plays Aiden, I'm like, maybe because he killed 30 people last year, <laughs> including two innocent women. Uh, maybe it's because he's probably got over a thousand, two thousand murders on his rap sheet. I mean, I don't know. I just why why would she be suspicious of this guy? Yeah, he's been around for almost <laughs> 300 years, yeah, training people to survive. Bad, bad things. You know, living with a borderline sociopath, and and you know, everyone's like, she's she needs to be easier on him, which I thought was great. Well, that's because we love Aiden. Aiden, he's like the <laughs> hero. He in the previous seasons, we've always seen him, and even in the season two, we've always seen him as being such like a father figure, like a bigger brother, if mm-hmm. you, you know, if you will, to like everybody in the house. Well, season two, he really falls down in a big way because he, uh, I mean, he, he ends up, options get taken away from him and he doesn't have the best choices available to him, but he ultimately does a lot of bad things and makes some bad choices in the second season. So, you know, we'll see if he makes better choices this year. Um, what I, what I will say is that while things are getting dark and <laughs> people are getting kicked across rooms and dying in hospitals and all kinds and of stuff. Smothered. And getting smothered. Um, what I will say is that uh, Aiden gets an opportunity to weirdly enough be in situations where we see him perhaps a little funnier or more awkward than we've seen him before. Which is fun for me. Yeah, that's so. and it's excellent. It's, it's fun for me to see it too because usually uh, Aiden is uh, so confident. We see him always being confident because he has like obviously like three centuries of experience nearly yeah. behind him. And mm-hmm. uh, but but then there's there was a scene with with him uh, that I wanted to talk to you about with uh, with Nora, Josh, and then your new love interest on the show, Cat, right? Nora's friend, and she is and and, and Nora's like smiling at you through her teeth pretty much right <laughs> she's yes. she's just like she, she can't believe that 
in essence, you're hitting on her friend. There or, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so how how would you how did you play that scene? <laughs> well, it's it's funny because Kristen Hager and I, although we've worked in a lot of scenes together and we know each other quite well because she's been on the show for three years with the rest of us, um, we've never actually done a scene alone together, and so it's not that difficult to just be on the opposite end of of the set from her and she's giving you these looks and you just kind of I guess Kristen's angry at me okay (laughs) so you just gotta go with that Um, but I I have such respect for her I mean we actually in the next episode we'll get some scenes alone which is really fun oh that's gonna be interesting yes definitely yeah so a little (laughs) bit of a spoiler right there I love it I love it we're getting some inside info here there it is yeah you heard it here first Mm -hmm. at After Buzz TV After Buzz TV exclusive (laughs) So <laughs> sweet. Yeah, it sounds great, right? Okay, so um I wanted to talk to you also about this scene. So we talked about you kicking Aaron and yeah. I, I love the way when you drink like when you drink wolf's blood. Can, can you see it? Look at that guy. Well? Look yeah. at that guy. When you drink wolf's blood, you get that that blood that just oozes out of every orifice. You know, mm-hmm. that, does uh, does it ooze out of anything else other than the, the facial orifices? You don't want to know. It's best if we not talk about that, really. But, you know, who knows? <laughs> so how do they end up, how do they do that with the makeup? You know, they do a really good job with the CGI because, well, the first time we did this effect, they, they were like, okay, we're going to be putting eye blood in your eyes. And I'm like, okay, okay right, <laughs> eye blood. I mean, you, it, it says eye blood, so apparently it's blood that belongs in your eyes. Sure. And we tried that, and and it was just hell. I mean, I, my eyelashes were getting gunked up, Ooh. and it was, you know, just they just put every now and then they're just putting this thick syrup in your eyes, which is kind of running out, and it was it was really bad. And and they actually initially gave me the choice: do you want to do eye blood, or do you want to do these contacts that that make you look like your eyes are red? And I'm like, yeah, eye blood. I mean, let's go for the realistic thing. And by the end of it. I was so fed up. I'm like, can we just try the contacts? And they looked so much better. Oh, good. Because the eye blood would really clear up really fast. The the red contacts, you looked completely messed up. So I, I, if you remember in last year's episode, Don't Fear the Scott, there's a moment where after the whole blood thing happens, I look over at Sally after the whole ordeal is done, and my eyes look all messed up. And those are the contacts. So now we've learned in this. So they just put blood around my eyes. And then we put these red contacts in. Oh, that's good. So yeah. it, it lasts like uh, many more hours compared to the makeup. So much better. Okay, that's so good. So much more comfortable. So how much? So when it's dripping down, though, that's now CGI. that's CGI. Okay. Believe it or not, when it starts pooling around my eyes, that's that's actually just really good CGI work. And it's such a good job that they do too. I know they really do. I was very impressed. Now, what about the? Uh, are those black contacts that yes. you usually have? Okay, those are contacts. Yeah, which those are just they cover your entire eye. Oh wow! So um, those, how were those to get in? Oh, just lovely. They're so <laughs> much fun. I remember season one. Um, the person who does my lenses was sick that day, and so we had her assistant who'd never really done it before. And I counted from when I started counting, we had twenty-four attempts on the right eye, twenty-four attempts to oh, put them wow. in. So I'm just sitting there like, "Jeez, okay." This is killing me. Yeah. So eventually I took the contacts. I don't wear contacts in, in normal life. And I just was like, I'll figure it out. I went in the bathroom. I was just like, okay, how do I? And finally slammed them in. Wow. Ugh. That's amazing. Ugh. <laughs> so taking them out, same process, quicker? Um, You know, the person we have doing the lenses this year is like, first try in, first try out. It's amazing. She's Thank like, you. okay, boom. So the other person got fired pretty much. <laughs> Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. She didn't get fired, but but um, you know, I, I felt bad for her because she was really afraid of it. She hadn't done it, and she's like, "I'm so sorry." After try twenty two, yeah. so yeah, it was tough. So um, over in in right back to the beginning scene. So I wanted to ask how how did you play this scene where you come in or well Josh he comes in and you're on the ground in agony after you had kicked Aaron. Like what? What are you going through like when you're when you're playing this scene? Like how how do you like you're coughing, you're you know, you're just like mm-hmm. coughing your blood out, right? So how do you act in that scene? Um well, I mean Josh walks in, it looks very, very bad, and uh <laughs> there's no other way to play it than to look at Josh and like, oops. Um except the Joker version of that. I mean this this particular shot is very Joker face right there. Why so serious? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, what, what else uh, happened in this episode? Something big was that you meet Blake, this other vampire. First vampire we meet that's that's been surviving in this uh, apocalypse that's been happening, and uh, and yeah, she. It, the the thing with her, 
is we really fought to give her a point of view that was legitimate, where she's just like, hey... Uh, you got I'm, some free blood that's clean. I'm doing the same thing that you're doing with this kid, and he wants to be turned, and I'm happy to do that, and we're cooperating here. And, and when Aiden calls her on it, she goes, look, the fact... Us taking without people's cooperation is part of the reason we're in this mess, and uh, to which Aiden can't really argue with. So he was, you know, he's like, okay, maybe I need to, what do I do? Do I back off? What's the deal? Yeah, he is in a bit of a pickle, and he has to look inside. He has to be really introspective with himself, too, it seems like. And uh, uh, even when he, right here in this scene that I'm showing you, where Blake is handing Aiden the test tube filled with blood, and he, it, it seems like, Aiden even looks at it and he's like, "Wow, this! I want to drink it right now." Yeah, yeah, that was something that that I asked that she do because I'm like, "Okay, look, it's Aiden. We have this younger vampire. She's coming in. She's messing with his food supply. If she doesn't immediately, when he walks up to her, go here, here, not doing anything bad. Take some blood. Um, he's gonna take her out." So, you know, we had to walk that line that, you know, she can't ever be so disrespectful as to cause Aiden to just, you're done, you know, attack yeah. her. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so. and, and I noticed, too, um, the I think the scene where it, it was, it really switched. Well, there were a couple of scenes, but one where, where it probably really switched the most for me, like a big beat change between Aiden and Blake was where they're in the stairwell. And she says, maybe after all this is over, we can run Boston. Right. And Aiden, and and how does Aiden react to that? No, that's not that's not such a great idea," says Aiden. He doesn't want to be involved in that. He, he, that went very badly last time he was involved in that. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. it it seems like she's just another power hungry, bloodthirsty vampire. She's not trying to be like Aiden. She's not trying to move on and 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 better herself. Well, the interesting thing is that, as vampires go, she actually has some pretty good ideas. Um, she she wants to be a, a lot more um, cooperative and and uh affable with people so you know it ain't like bishop or or you know some of the other vampires we've run into she actually she actually has a plan that that is is a little bit um i don't know kinder and gentler version of being a serial murderer (laughs) (laughs) or a mass murderer yeah fact exactly uh, there's another scene that I want to talk about with uh, you and and Kat, Nora's Deanna, friend. Yeah, Deanna Russo, beautiful, awesome actress. Oh yeah, she's got amazing blue eyes. Yes, right. Yeah. Those are CGI. Oh, Those are CGI <laughs> eyes. Those are not. No, she's got wonderful <laughs> eyes. She's great. You, you had me there. You almost got me. But uh, there's this is such a great scene because clearly, it, even from like the first episode, I think a couple episodes back when you when you met her, she ends up. Um, it seems like there's a little bit of chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then um, Aiden ends up going over to her house. She ends up, um, you know, getting wet from the <laughs> cleaning the faucets. Yes, she does. And that and that's the point of that whole joke, right? She's She says, I suddenly feel not dry after she clearly is getting attracted to Aiden with their American <laughs> history conversation. Right. Well, the idea with, with Kat, um, and, I mean, for one thing, the my ambition with Aiden was that he not be as smooth this year because he's been underground for a year so he shouldn't have all those tools available to him you know it's like if you've ever uh, maybe back in school you had a report due so you stayed in you know for days or if you've been writing a something you know you're if you if you isolate yourself from humanity and then go and you see your friend you don't really know how to talk you're like in inside the can we get coffee you know you you don't know how to how to talk, and I figured that Aiden should have a little flavor of that throughout the entire season. And it, it was well done, I, I must say. Like you know, like I said before, uh, he's always been like that really experienced, really confident vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, he can like every. Even my wife, she pointed out when we were watching it at home, she even said that um, before the women would just like go to Aiden. They would every time they would just like tail him to his apartment or to the house, and and they would just or like even in the first season, the f- first episode with. Uh, Rebecca, with Rebecca, yeah. that vamp, uh, that human who you know, who turns, turns right later yeah. on, she she invites you in, yeah, right. So, yeah. but now it's like the complete opposite with Cat, where not you, impressed. She's not, she isn't she's not impressed, not not um, terribly enthusiastic about this guy who she's heard mixed things about, and um, it isn't until he demonstrates that there's a you know maybe a little bit of a brain there that that she goes oh maybe I've underestimated this guy, and that they have that thing in common 
you know her uh she said that she's a little bit of a history buff and he was actually there so you know there's there's something in common there uh speaking of which oh we actually have a caller so let's go ahead and uh hello caller what's your name and where are you calling from you're live hi hi i'm courtney i'm from dc hey courtney how's it going hi. Courtney? i'm such a bitch man i called in just to talk to you sam awesome well well but i'm here i have a, I have a question mm-hmm. um i'm a big fan of the being human uk and i love being human u.s mm-hmm. but are y'all going to make Sally and um, Avian be together also? Everybody's asking that. I've seen on, you did a, a Reddit thing, right, 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 Sam? And you were you were asked that same question. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that I think that both Josh and Sally have grown up quite a bit, right? Aiden can't, quote unquote, grow up because he's 260 some years old, right? But, but Josh is like more of a man this year and Sally much to Aiden's surprise is a woman this year um, she's not really the, the fun little sister anymore she's actually grown up and she has this experience and so Aiden um, is a little surprised by that as to where it's going I'm, I'm gonna have to <laughs> tell you that you you know you have to watch the show mm. but but I will say that yeah there's there's definitely there is a new dynamic between Aiden and Sally and you're going to see more of that as the season goes on and and I don't mean necessarily like you know hardcore romance I mean like you're you're going to see some weird scenes and you're going to see some funny scenes I mean some of the some of the funniest scenes I've done this year are with Megan Rath uh just me and her so it's it's coming up Excellent well, Okay thank, thank you so much I for have another question Oh, oh go, go ahead for it. I have a real quick another question sure. um so I really don't like no whatever her name is Josh's girlfriend Nora Nora S- soon to be fiance yeah I, I was like I was screaming at the TV because she was so mean <laughs> to you <laughs> well you know like she didn't even give you a chance but that's the thing I she, everything she's saying is correct though I mean you know the thing that, that the audience has to remember is that from her point of view this guy is a ticking time bomb. He's he's a mass murderer and he's he's kind of unstable and he, he's, he's a know, drug addict looking for drug, his next fix. Exactly, he's a drug addict. He's he's got a lot of problems. This guy. So it's it's only I thank you for your loyalty and I thank everyone who is um, invested in Aiden. But from Nora's point of view, who doesn't know this guy very well, he's he's trouble. You know, and I think she's got a very good point there. I mean, let's remember earlier in the season. That Aiden's having, you know, dreams about snapping nurses' necks and all kinds of stuff, you know? <laughs> your I mean, supervisor. Yeah, so. Okay, thank you so much for your but, call, Courtney. But thank you, and I just love you, Sam. I just, oh, I thank you, Courtney. Friend. I love you, too. Okay, thank you, bye. <laughs> See ya. Okay, so let's let's talk about, just really quickly, a couple of other big things that happened in this episode. So, biggest shocker semi-shocker I guess Liam smothers Aaron yeah. and he says it's for the pack what do you yes. what does what do you think about that and what the, what do you think Sam's going to think when he finds out well it's well that's the thing I mean all they know is that she didn't pull through that she did not survive and uh, my guess is that that's going to be pinned on Aiden so yeah. Oh, by the way, if I'm if I am saying like your name back and forth with your character, no, please forgive no, me. No, no, it's totally <laughs> cool. I actually um, oftentimes call Sam Huntington Josh. Uh, you know, just in the middle of things. But oh, okay, so jo- jo- Sam, Josh, t- Sam, Josh, Whoopsie. Jungle the Jungle Guy. Who are you, <laughs> Jimmy Olsen? Um, so it's totally common. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, let's. Uh, Sally loses her hair. You see that at the right at the end of the episode. She's not just the hair club president; she's also a zombie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And I've been I've been talking because I follow her on Instagram, and I'm not sure if it's her legit account, but it looks like it is because there's all kinds of like behind the scenes looking <laughs> stuff on there. And uh, there's one picture where it says the the caption is "She Wolf," but it looks like she's a rabid zombie ready to bite, and she's got like a little bit of makeup up here. And I'm like, dude, she, what did she show you? She showed you make really. It, it it was it was on there, Megan. <laughs> Megan, uh oh. <laughs> you know Megan Rath is she's she's so enthusiastic. But I remember first year, she was tweeting pictures of Sammy in werewolf makeup. 
Mm. And we had we were like, look, you have to take that down. Like that hasn't Uh-oh. been on TV. Yet. I feel like, bad. I think I almost got. This. I think I got her in trouble. No, 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 no. She's she should know better. She she does that sometimes. She gets very excited by things and then posts posts a picture for something that hasn't been on TV yet. And you're like, whoa, let let them <laughs> let a few things be a surprise. <laughs> to her uh, to her defense, it's very ambiguous. Oh, is like, it? I've been I've been guessing. Like I've been using it as my predictions and like guessing what's going to happen next. Right. And that's that's how I'm getting my good news and gossip uh, for the yeah. show, man. I'm, I'm with follow- you. I'm following you guys. Right on. Right on. So uh, lastly, let's see. Um, Aiden agrees to turn Kenny. Yes. So that's a big deal because the whole time you're you're having this. Uh, um, Aiden is having this big introspective battle. And he's not sure what he wants to do. He doesn't want Kenny to be turned by uh, Blake, but at the same time, he doesn't. He doesn't want him to be turned. Period. So he takes the lesser of two evils, I guess. And and you decide to turn him yeah. yourself and be yeah. his maker. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he's not really given much choice because he can't really find f- enough fault with Blake's argument um, to take her out of the picture. You know, if if Blake. There were early versions of the script where Blake was very disrespectful to Kenny, and I was like, "Aiden's not going to tolerate that." There were there were early versions where she was disrespectful to Aiden, and you know all these things. And it's like, you know, you have to put Aiden in a in a in a place where he has to make the choice. If she's going, you know, yeah, we're going to you know eat this kid and screw him, and you know all this stuff, then Aiden the choice is very simple: take out Blake, and then he doesn't have to make any kind of call with Kenny. But if you can't take out Blake, if you can't you know, if if, her, if she has some good points and she's actually coming from a legitimate place, then Aiden's in the hot seat, and he had to decide to to do that. Now, here's a question for you, and I don't know if you can say this right now, but you know, feel free to <laughs> is is um okay that scene where Aiden walks out into the hallway and he tells Blake that he is going to agree to turn Kenny. Yeah. Is it already done? No. It is not. No, and and it may be a little while before you uh, you see that. Oh. Yeah, because it's keep in mind that he's saying that. Um, but once Blake's gone, I mean, you know, he may <laughs> he may try to create an alternate scenario or or wiggle out of it or this and that. Um, but you know, we'll see how Kenny deals with that, or if he's even going to let Aiden do that. So there's a lot of things that can happen from here on in. Um, but he has made Kenny, he's made a deal with him. I'll just put it to that way. A deal with the devil in a way. <laughs> sort of. Well, um, again, uh, to our podcast listeners, we are talking with Sam Witwer. And he's he plays the amazing Aiden Hate the Vampire on the show. <laughs> wait or hate? I can't, I, I, wait. Wait. Yeah. And it's spelled in a funky way. Yeah, W-A-I-T-E. Yes, yeah. and, and and thank you again so much for joining us. We're reminding our fans at home, if you are enjoying what you're seeing right now and if you enjoy listening to us, download our podcast on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating because you know what? We deserve it. We got Sam Whitwer here, and he's awesome. Five stars, guys. And tell a friend about the show. Tell your friend about AfterBuzz TV. Tell your friends. It only takes a minute. And we, we've gotten so many comments and such. And uh, we actually had a lot of fan questions, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you some of my own questions, Go for it. Yeah. Sam. Yeah. So, um, let's see. How did you get started with acting and in show business? Very much by accident. Um, I was a musician in high school. I, I, this guy that... You know, I just would hang out and play with my band, and that was that. That was really my only ambition was to hang out and be that guy. My parents suggested that I try to get into college, but my grades weren't perhaps fantastic. So they said, well, listen, you do school plays every now and then. Why don't you audition for the drama division of various colleges? Because they, they're they lenient on your grades when you do that. And... Uh, <laughs> So somehow through this whole strange process, I ended up getting into Juilliard. So oh wow, yeah, for acting. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna go study. Juilliard isn't like a big like music school. Juilliard, yeah, music wow. and drama. Wow, yeah. yeah, music, drama, and dance actually. So you know, I can't dance, and you know, I, I'm not that kind of musician. So they had to take me for drama. Um, and and so I went to Juilliard and started training there. And uh, I, I really, it was funny because I I didn't. Think I thought it was a big waste of time to go and audition for them because they took twenty a year and that's it. And so then I got in and then I started learning about classical theater and classical training. and And it's funny that that being human is one of the rare gigs where you really use that training a lot 
because there's always the, always these flashback scenes where he talks differently or he walks differently and Which stuff like that. I love, by the way. I cool. wanted I wanted to mention that earlier. Uh, I mean, excuse me, later, but uh, we can talk about it now. Sure. Yeah. I, we we had to for the flashbacks this year that take place in the 1700s. We had to hire a, a dialect coach, and and I I had a pretty easy time of it because she and I. Um, Went to the, she she's a Juilliard kid, so she she trained in all the same stuff that I trained in, you know, speaking every day, you know, for years. So, um, you know, I was very happy when when we got the report card back from the first episode that we did, and and she goes, yeah, Sam Sam got it all right in terms of the dialect that we developed, which by the way is not Irish and it's not American English. We had to go somewhere in between because there isn't an American English yet. But it shouldn't be British because these guys have been here for a little while. And it shouldn't be Irish because these guys have been here for a little while. And so we created a dialect that was that borrowed elements from different, um, you know, the melting pot yeah, factor. Yeah. So we, we created a dialect for, for each character that was uh, unique. And uh, for Aiden, because he has this Irish heritage and he would have hung out with his grandparents who were Irish, he should have had some Irish in his speech. So that's that's what you're hearing there. And, and I was very happy, very proud that my report card from the dialect coach was that I I didn't require any ju- adjustment at least in that first episode. I think I had some adjustments in the other ones. And I actually noticed not not and it, I think it stood out the most in that that scene where you go into uh Aiden's past with Bishop and being turned for the first time and which was the most we've gotten to see about yeah. him being turned. Uh but there've been other scenes, you know, in the uh, in the various seasons where you get to see Aiden in a different outfit in the 50s, the 30s. Yeah, there was a really fun um flashback that took place in World War One for this season with me and Henry where it was perhaps the most bishop that I'd ever had a chance to be it was really fun but it's just it's, it didn't fit in the episode I was begging them to cut it because it just it just didn't fit you know like there we needed to spend our screen time with Sally and Josh and Nora because their stuff was really really important and then we had just this sort of non sequitur scene and it was really great I've seen the scene and it's it's really fun I mean it's it's this whole thing where, where Henry walks in on or Bish, uh, Aiden walks in on Henry. Henry is like <laughs> killed this this guy in the middle of the officers' club, and Aiden's like, uh, uh, and he's and Henry's drunk, and he starts smacking Henry around. He's like, okay, now that we're sober you up a little bit, we gotta fix this. And then in the middle of us of us trying to fix this murder, an officer comes in, and we're like, oh, girl, really? And I grab the guy, uh. and and it's uh, and there's a lot of humor in the scene, and uh, you know, uh, maybe it'll show up somewhere down the line. But uh, I actually noticed um, also that you have different dialects in those different time periods too. Like when you're in the fifties, you yeah. sound like you sound like uh, John Travolta. In uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was part of the, the the thought for the fifties is that at that point the vampires had fallen hardcore on oh. some really. I mean, like Bishop is like this pansy, and and Aiden's this guy who would just take a lug wrench to your head if you looked at him funny. I mean, you know, like the idea is that that they are really kind of in their worst spot and they're not used to living in garages and stuff like that and and if you go back to the 30s you see why because they were living really well walking around in tuxedos and part of uh upper class society and all this stuff and then Surin blew it for everyone yeah um i would love to tell i i'm you know there's a story that i i'd love to tell was this like how they got boston together how they how they fixed it all up because that would be in the 20s and that would be a lot of, uh, you know... That just sounds like it would be an extended flashback. Yeah, it would have to be. But I, I just thought it would be really fun to have, like, Bishop and Henry and Marcus and all those guys with Tommy guns and stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. I what love Mark Pellegrino. He's awesome. Man, he's an awesome actor. I, he was in the first season of uh, Dexter with you also. Yes, we had met very briefly at, like, a, a read-through. But So I was, you know, I was aware of the guy, um, but it never actually worked with him until being human. And Mark has become just a part of the family. I mean, he's, you know, we're constantly texting and stuff. And he he actually shared with me, I I found this very, uh, uh, really generous of him, but he he said to me that that his favorite gig ever um, has been being human. So I was like, oh, cool. Excellent. And I loved him as Bishop. He's so good as Bishop. He's so wonderful as Bishop. It's it's like... You like them, and I'm kind of. There are some 
scenes where I'm rooting for the guy. Oh, definitely. And it's just the way he, he the way he dresses too in, in the present. It's like it's yeah. like he's a dad. Yes. You know, and then he's like this this mm-hmm. really malevolent bad guy behind all of it and it's just so amazing yeah well we actually had to ask you know another little side story we we eventually had to make it clear what he was up to and that he wanted to uh, to go public and just just wreck humanity enslave humanity if need be you know if they didn't cooperate because he was playing it so reasonably that that we're all like look um i don't see how aiden's gonna go against this guy he's making a very convincing argument and I remember Jeremy Carver is like, well, we don't want to override him in terms of, you know, the dark stuff. And it's like, well, you have to drop a little something because so far there's nothing that Aiden would really object to here. You know, there was a great scene that uh, I'm thinking about. And I it was last season where obviously Bishop's already dead and you are there with Henry and, and Bishop's like. He's on you, just almost like in Dexter, how Dexter's got his dark passenger or his father over his shoulder. We have, in being human, we got Bishop over Aiden's shoulder telling him what to do. And he's like edging him to kill Henry. Yeah. But he really didn't want him to. Well, that's, yeah, I loved that. And and that when he couldn't kill Henry, he said, very proud of you. Proud of you, man. And, uh, you know, there is there's something to be said there where he says, you know, the father never kills the son. And then what does Aiden end up doing? He kills him. <laughs> or he ends up, he ends up through his actions yeah. causing Henry to become infected and die. So Aiden's a terrible father. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much of a, fa- a father he's going to be to Kenny. Now. Oh God. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like it's going to be bad. Oh boy. <laughs> you heard it here first. Huh. <laughs> um, what attracted you to, um, to choose, being human um i i picked up the script and i read three pages into it and read the word vampire and, and closed it and was like eh, I, I think we have too many of these guys i don't think we need any more and uh a friend of mine named laura terry got a hold of me and she said did you uh did you pass on being human i said yeah and she goes did you read the script i'm like sure and she's like no you didn't i'm like uh yeah okay and so she said read the script and uh once i picked up the script and actually read it uh, realized that this was a really compelling show about a guy who was struggling with drug addiction, trying to go clean. And then, uh, and I had the second script available to me, so I read that, and I, I really just, I, I really got into it. I really enjoyed it. And and in Hollywood, I mean, it, that's not, that's kind of rare. I mean, you get scripts sent to you all the time, um, and they're generally not very good, you know. So being human, you read this, and you're like, wow, this is. I really like these people, and I want to know what happens to them. But it was that drug addiction angle, really. Yeah, and that's where it hits home with me too. And that's I've seen memes on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, where that it's that whole thing. It shows like different vampires in different like genres, different mediums. Let me ask you, what do they do on other shows? Because I haven't really watched them. What what is their thing? oh well? I'm just saying. You mean with vampires? Yeah, yeah. Oh well, obviously in. In, in movies, we got the newest vampires, which yeah, are super romantic and right. sparkling. Flip the hair. This is the last time I saw the sunset. Yes. Yeah. And and it's like they go in the sun. And with you, with with uh, Aiden on the show, you're, you're kind of wincing at the sun. You're a little sensitive, but it doesn't kill you. Right. It doesn't really hurt you. But then we got... Um, and I think that's just because of heightened sensitivity, yeah. it seems like. But uh, with, you know, obviously with the Twilight Saga, they're sparkling. They're they be- s- They're beautiful. That's what they're supposed to be in the sunlight. Really? Yeah, and if and if people see them, then they're like given away because they shine too much. I see. So that's the danger. I'm, I'm so glad someone's going to know that. about their jazz hands, and they're going to be like, "There's these all these guys, these pale guys. They do jazz hands, and they're all Broadway dancers. It's weird." Is that no? I, that's I haven't one seen of them. it, so I should. Yeah, I'm glad you haven't. I saw two out of I think the six, and I'm fed up with really? them already. I see. Well, you know, for me. I mean, it, I just I just built my vampire stuff off of what was in those scripts and what made sense. It's like, okay, well, he's 260 years old. I asked Jeremy Carver, like, do you want him? Do you want me to give you a sense that he's 260 years old in his speech because he wouldn't talk like us? And he goes, no, he should talk like us. So I'm like, all right. So you know, they say that to you, blend in better. You, yeah, you do that, and then right, exactly. And then you go, okay, well, then in that case, every time we see him in a different era. He's got to talk different. He's got to talk. He's got to blend in with what was normal for that era and who he was at that era. So that caused that, which you know, um, you know, frankly, I don't, I don't, I don't know that Carver expected that because I, me and him, you know, we got into some uh, debates about how that would be done. Um, 
but I said, hey, look, otherwise it doesn't make any damn sense. <laughs> you know, it's really stupid if we don't do that. Um, you know, you can't tell me that a 260-year-old guy's going to be like, hey, bro, what's going on? <laughs> I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. No, come on. That's so that's lame. So you had, yeah, there's a lot of things you had to make sense of. I mean, the biggest, the biggest challenge for Aiden starting him out was that in that first script, the first thing you see him do is he murders a girl, and then the next thing you see him do is he starts joking with Josh in the car about Josh looks like a slut. <laughs> and then and then they have, you know, banter and, and whatever. And I remember being like, well, we're in trouble if we don't really handle this carefully. I mean, you know, who wants to just follow some remorseless guy who just victimizes women? That's not that's not great. So um, so I, I kind of came up with this idea that I'm like, okay, well, we have to establish early on in the scenes. And I talked to the director about this. I'm like, we have to establish that Aiden... Um, he is always going through something. He's always subtext. He's always having a bad day. Always. It seems like that every episode. But when someone comes in that he needs to sell that he's not having a bad day, he's got to be able to like, hey, how's it going? You know, and and uh, and so we did that very early on. We did it with uh, the Michael Garrity character, this cop who Aiden had killed his father. Oh, yeah, and, that guy. And that was fun to have Aiden. The whole you know, Celine tattoo thing. Yeah, exactly. And it was fun to have Aiden go, oh, hey, how's it going? Yeah, no, I hang out at this bar and... So he's he's basically a liar. You know, the whole thing is if we could if we could come up with, you know, the fact that if he smiles, if he does all these things, that's that is also a cover. All of these things are a cover. So And know. that's how he's been able to survive for three hundred years nearly. Yeah. yeah. So what that allows Aiden to do is to be to have these funny scenes, but for the audience to also know that underneath it he feels pretty bad about the things that he's done. So, I mean, you know, I, I, there's probably a way to do it where he's not having a bad day all the time, but I don't think that he's the same character at that point. I mean, we've played with it. We played with, oh, well, what if he's in this place or what if he's feeling this or smiling too much? And, and the fact is it doesn't work as well. Um, every time we've tried to think about it or, or throw it around, I mean, we could do it, but then he would just, like, lose that humanity part because the humanity is what's keeping him grounded, you know, and uh yeah. I don't think the moment Aiden starts having too much fun, people are going to die. It's yeah. basically that simple. Then he'll he'll will know he doesn't really care. Yeah, he's just doing whatever he wants. Yes, yes, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, let's uh let's go ahead and go into some fan questions. Fan now. questions. Let's do this. Yeah. So we got at Rogue Nine on Twitter. He said, "Out of Crashdown, Doomsday, Aiden, which role was the most fun?" Crashdown, Doomsday, or Aiden? Um. Aiden is definitely the most fun because I get to be the funniest, especially in these next few episodes. I I have some light-hearted material in the midst of some really dark stuff. Um, or, or for example, you know, like and don't fear the Scott when I drink from Josh's arm. You know, that's <laughs> I love that scene. By the way, yeah, that scene we were very happy with because it gets to go from violent to an emotional breakdown to very very funny yes. to right back to serious. You know, and those are opportunities that are that I really haven't had. I mean, you, you know. You brought up Dexter early on, the, the role I did on Dexter. And before Dexter, all anyone would hire me for were for, the, like, these thugs. I played, like, a skinhead once, and I played all kinds of crazy stuff. But they were always thuggish characters that had no sense of humor. Uh, Neil Perry, uh, the Dexter character, was was written as this squirrely little computer nerd. And I just wanted to get that because it's like, look, I build computers. I'm a computer nerd. I, I can do that. Um, so he got to be silly, at least when you first met him. And... Uh, so once once that happened, people would see me for any kind of part. And then the Battlestar Galactica thing, how that figures in is <laughs> Crashdown, believe it or not, was supposed to be, and I don't even know if Ron Moore remembers this, but he was supposed to be um, comic relief for that show. Oh. And, and, you know, this is before they realized, oh, Battlestar Galactica isn't a funny show. No, There's it's pretty serious. Yeah. It's pretty dark. I mean, if you watch, for example, in the first season, they they try some things. They try. There was an episode called "Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down," where they introduce Ellen Ty, and it's a comedy episode. And you're like, you know, it's this is well done, but it's not really quite the show. And so, Crashdown had a lot of funny material that ended up getting cut, getting cut, getting cut before we'd even shoot it because it just didn't tonally fit. So here I was showing up to be the comedic, comedic relief on a show that just basically discovered there's not a lot of room for that. So then Crashdown became something very different. And uh, he, he really... <laughs> David Icke said to me, he's like, Crashdown 
he's like, I want him to be like Han Solo. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like a scoundrel. And then he said, I want him to be more like uh, Bill Paxton from from Aliens. So I kind of just took those two ideas and put oh, them together. Nice. I'm like, if you watch my performance, you, I'm going for Bill Paxton from Aliens. The game over, man. Game over. Merged with a little bit of Han Solo's voice, and that's it. Nice. <laughs> so that was fun. But but Aiden is the most fun because I actually get to be funny, and it's and it's good for the show. In fact, it's it's you have to have it. You have to have a sense of humor about these things. Aiden, either and, and Aiden is generally the butt of the joke. He doesn't know that these things are funny, but the audience does. So that's a lot of fun too. My Chan Fam on Facebook asks, "How do you? Th- who do you think has a darker nature between Aiden from Being Human and Davis Bloom, aka Doomsday in Smallville?" Well, Aiden at least has a sense of humor about it. Davis <laughs> didn't have time to have a sense of humor I mean the thing is it's it's interesting because people will come up to me and say hey um, I've seen you in Smallville I haven't seen Being Human yet you, you know why? I loved you in Smallville why, why should I watch Being Human and I'm like well it's because it's kind of Davis Bloom the show <laughs> it's kind of that theme the you're guy, the main character well it's like you know it's but it's but it's also it's like a monster who doesn't want to be a monster it's part of the reason why that casting director who cast me in Smallville called me in for this for these auditions in fact I think she was to be honest I think she was loath to call me in but it was as I understand it they'd seen hundreds of guys and they, they couldn't get it right and and, and um, you know I, there were some there was some stuff about Smallville that made her hesitant to bring me in uh, at this point she now knows me better and realizes okay all right now he's fine he's <laughs> thank goodness but it was you know it was it was moreover because Smallville wanted me to do something that wasn't that was beyond the scope of my contract, and I and I said, "Well, I, I'm sorry, I can't." And uh, and and it wasn't like something in an episode; it was something that was beyond the the services that I performed for them that were subscribed in this in the season. So I think she was very hesitant because of that, because I know some people were upset by that. Um, but um, yeah, so she called me in, and and it, yeah, it's Davis Bloom the series, except Davis Bloom has a little bit more sense of a hum- you know sense of humor. And uh, he dresses cooler. Wears a leather Thank jacket. Goodness. Yeah, yeah. Always with a leather jacket. Yeah. Uh, Martin Padilla on Facebook asks, regarding all the Star Wars news, is there any talk of a Starkiller movie now? You know, that's really up to Disney. I mean, the story, I think, is absolutely perfect for a film. But having said that, um, right now their number one priority is getting Episode Seven right. And that's what the entire company is getting behind right now is, is making episode seven as good as it possibly can be. And so for that reason, I, you know, I think they need to, uh, they need to worry about that story. And if they want to do some, you know, branch out stories, which I know they're planning at first, they have to do the things that they want to do, you know? Um, and at, at some point, you know, if they, go over some material and they discover that story and they think it's cool then great but I you know I think there's nothing wrong with them going in different directions and finding interesting places that Star Wars hasn't gone yet because after all Force Unleashed um, did do that story people are aware of that story a lot of people are aware of that story so um, so you know I I don't know that it's likely but um, but I would you know certainly be up for it Laura on Facebook asks are you single Am I single? No, I have a girlfriend. Oh, you have a girlfriend, yeah, right? I do. Oh, right on. Yeah. At Boy Marvel tweets, um, was Aiden the role you auditioned for? And we kind of covered that. So yeah. you, you did. You did audition for Aiden. I did. Right? I did. Um, and uh, and it was uh, you know it was there that I met Sam Huntington and Megan Rath. And who uh, did you meet first? I met Sammy first. I met Sammy first, and uh, you know he sat down next to me at one of these auditions and he looks at me and the first thing that comes out of his mouth is he's like are you going gray oh no no that's just the lighting oh okay and i'm just like <laughs> thanks for doing that here pal like what do you and and we just started giving each other crap and 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 the producers are sitting there watching that enjoying it and oh well, yeah and they they i, I glance over and i could see that they were laughing cuz me and sammy were just bickering and um and that's really, I mean, that's that's Aiden and Josh right there. You know, that Josh does things, gets on Aiden's nerves, but at the same time, Aiden really loves him because there's something really great about Josh. And and, uh, and they're like brothers. Yeah, they really are. They really are. I like those two guys, uh, their relationship. And then I met, we met Megan Rath, and at that point, <laughs> me and me and Sam Huntington had already read together a few times. So then this, they bring this 
crazy you know chicken and and she's all excited to meet us and you know and she's and we're just like okay all right and that's exactly what happens in the script so yeah. i think it all just worked out perfect yeah at being racine tweets uh do you have anything in common with aiden um and oh yeah let's go with that one first. sure yeah we're we're the same height um <laughs> we have the same hair and uh, our voices are somewhat similar, depending on what mood I'm in. And neither of you has heads in the freezer. No, neither of us. Not anymore. Not really. Um, you know, you have to draw from yourself when you when you do these things. And the only way to... I, I play Aiden in the only way that makes sense to me, basically. You know, with all that regret and guilt. Otherwise, I, I just don't like the character. I personally don't like the character if he doesn't have that running. Because he's just he's done too many bad things, and he continues to. So if you don't have an awareness, if you don't see a character who's struggling against that, I, I don't want to follow him. Yeah, he has to be somewhat lovable. You know, I got I got to give Aiden Turner credit though, because he plays a character that does work, that doesn't that isn't weighed down by that level of regret. You you, you know the way he deals with his Rebecca character is like, hey, look, I know I turned you, but like that's on you. Everything that you've done since then, that's on you. You know, I'm out. <laughs> And uh, and it works, you know. Um, what it does do, though, it, it makes his vampire seem younger, which he is. My vampire is a hundred years older, and uh, you know, perhaps perhaps if he was a little bit younger, I, I would have felt okay with playing him. But you know, two hundred sixty years old, he's got to have a certain demeanor. <laughs> so, uh, from being Racine, also, he tweets: uh, Darth Maul is such an iconic character, and what was it like to voice him? It was really fun and and nerve-wracking but fun mostly because uh dave filoni calls me up and he says hey i need darth maul can you do that and i'm like yeah sure of course i can and i'm thinking i don't know if i can what do you want (laughs) but you want to you want to put the employer at ease and make sure that he thinks he's going to be taken care of so i was like yeah no problem what do you need and he was talking he's like you know we're going to find him again as you know he's been cut in half last time we saw him so he's going to be in pieces when we find him mentally he's going to be in pieces and and i want him to be like Gollum from lord of the rings oh yeah and uh and we talked about it and then he showed me the script and then i said listen he's he's Gollum, but i want to give him a lot more of an edge i want to i want to make him more like colonel kurtz from apocalypse now and 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 asked them you know i said listen do you mind if we do just like marlon brando did in apocalypse now um just keep keep the tape rolling and uh I'm just going to make up some twisted yeah. stuff for him to say. And uh, and they used all that stuff, which was great. So you can hear him. You can hear his agony. I, I think so. When you play him. Well, that was the thing. If you just did, I mean, Katie Lucas wrote a great script. But if you just did that, because she wrote, he's muttering. So I had to come up with what he was muttering, you know. And, and that gives context. What has he been doing for 10 years? What has life been like? What what are the important things on his mind? <laughs> what are the priorities? So, so all of that stuff I got to, uh, expound upon in these, uh, in these ad libs. And, and I, I, as I was looking up all this stuff and researching all the star Wars stuff, there's this thing called the Sith code, which I'm very proud to have made Canon now because yes. it's in the, if you listen closely, pieces of it are in the episode. So now, uh, you made an impact on Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, that was fun. That canonical was, stuff. And what was great about the character was that we always intended, like he told me about the story, the whole story, like early on. So we got to every episode, b- put the character back together, piece by piece, and add different character elements. So I think one of the things that's been fun for fans and certainly fun for us um, is that the character would change every time you saw him and he would become more and more dangerous. And he'd become dangerous in the way that they wouldn't expect. He wouldn't just be this awesome warrior. He'd be really smart. And he'd have a little bit of a twisted sense of humor. And he would be arrogant as hell. And and so, you know, now that we've seen that story, I mean, I, I, I you know, I hope fans have fun watching it over again, seeing the progression, you know, knowing that we planned it that way, that, you know, one of the things that he says in that cave when he's a spider is, you know, that he's he's talking smack about the concept of mercy 
he just it's it's a lie and it's a delusion for weak people to make themselves feel like they're strong and all this stuff and what's the last thing that he asks for at the end of the episodes that he's been on he asks for mercy oh wow you know so it's so, like such irony yeah yeah so we we really planned that out and some of that was ad-libbed but we we incorporated it and really created like a a fun arc for the character i i think i mean i hope the the fans the fans have been very kind since they've now seen all of it so you know they've been they've been nice to me i'm sure they enjoy you voicing him and you know and acting as him so much more than in episode one you know the film where he's just he doesn't talk pretty much he says like one line and he's just whipping his lightsabers around the whole time except for the fact that you know let us never underestimate uh the physical performance and presence of ray park yeah it it was great oh incredible really made an impression i mean a great performance and uh, and Peter Serafinowicz. I mean, you know, I'm building off what he did. I mean, he had two lines, but um, and he also did a commercial thing. Do you do you remember the the tone poems? <sighs> I the, actually don't know. Fear, fear <laughs> attracts the fearful. That that whole thing. <laughs> that they did tone the, these television commercials where each character spoke their mind, and uh, and that was the main. That was the main uh, reference that I used to start creating the voice for me. And and I've changed it a little bit because... It's kind of like Aiden in the 1700s, but darker. Well, <laughs> it's true. The thing is, is I, I, I figured, you know, I, I'm going to use the British influence. So I'm going to go halfway to Britain, but we're going to stop somewhere in the Atlantic because he's been eating garbage for 10 years. Like so over, he shouldn't have the same... Over in di- the Azores, maybe? Yeah, exactly. Somewhere. And we also know that this, the place he came from they didn't necessarily have a british accent the 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 town the where all the night the night brothers clan where clancy brown is from you know and so so we went we stopped somewhere in the mid atlantic when it came to his speech patterns um still honoring what peter serafinowicz did but then basically bringing some sloppier elements to it because he's been eating garbage for 10 years i'm going into a lot of geek detail oh yeah no that's okay <laughs> hey i'm a geek too uh unfortunately i, I like star wars i have not watched any of the Clone Wars oh, stuff? Oh no, though, kidding! But I want to. How are they up to over a hundred now? Right, yeah, you, they you are. tweeted, yeah, just like within the last several weeks that they're up to over a hundred episodes, and you were so proud to be a part of it. The Clone Wars is such an interesting show because when it first came out, I will, I'll full on admit that it wasn't for me. It wasn't. I mean, we were we were doing Force Unleashed at the time. I, I felt like that was a more true representation of the spirit of Star Wars, and I watched a little bit of Clone Wars. I'm like, well, this is fun for kids, but it's not for me. And then at the end of the first season, and a little, you know, begin the second season, um, I just, I was like, I was like, oh, what's what's Clone Wars doing, you know? And uh, it's still there. And there it is, right? And and the visuals had gotten better, and 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 uh, but the thing that struck me is I was about to turn it off right when they tortured this Jedi to death, and I'm like, well, that's wait. dark for like, for what? a kids show, right? Well, and that was the th- that was my first impression. I'm like, look, I grew up with Never Ending Story and and some movies that really challenged kids. And we don't do that anymore. We create, you know, playgrounds made of, you know, plastic. And there's, you know, you, you couldn't hurt yourself if you tried. Whereas, like, you know, you and me, there's the merry-go-round and you're clinging for dear life. And then kids are going flinging off and smashing their heads. But those, those you know, the things that we were exposed to, you know, I mean, if you look at, like, Grimm's fairy tales and, and things that, that were designed for children um, in terms of, you know, like even Little Red Riding Hood and stuff. These are tremendously dark stories, and and they have ways of introducing these these ideas to kids so that they start preparing themselves for the real world. I mean, it's good to scare kids. It's not good to terrify them, but it's good to tap them on the shoulder and give them something to think about. And so I saw this, and I started thinking about all those things. I'm like, wow, they're really challenging. And I observed. I started watching the show a little bit more, and I observed as the season went on, the show got older. And I've observed that every season gets older than the last, and they've been aging the show with the generation that's yes, been growing up with it. To match the kids. That's exactly right. And so, you know, and it's funny because their demographic data would seem to suggest that that's exactly what's happening. They'd lose a little bit from the young kids, but they'd gain a little bit from the older kids. And I'm like, well, those are the, just the same kids. <laughs> you know, like, they're you guys are really doing a service to these kids because you got to interpret that data better. Yeah, please. they didn't age Transformers for me. You know, Transformers was like, if you watch it now, I mean, I I love those performances by those by those voice actors, but like the show did not have a big storytelling ambition, and this show does. Clone Wars does, and every year it gets older and more challenging, and the writing gets more sophisticated, and now we are now kind of firmly entrenched in the Empire Strikes Back 
level of sophistication, you know, which I saw as a young kid, and it was, you know, it's traumatizing elements, the whole I am your father thing. But, I mean, you know, the Darth Maul arc alone, dude, we kill off no fewer than three recurring characters off the show. Yeah, like, uh, I, I don't, I can't say his name correctly, because I only saw the clip, the fight with you and the Mandalorian leader. Pre Vizsla. Pre Vizsla. John Favreau's character. Oh man, that was John Favreau. John boys? Favreau. Oh my god. We have in this in this most recent arc that we did, we have John. It's me and Clancy Brown. I mean, freaking Kurgan for God's sakes, you know, Shawshank Redemption, Clancy Brown, and we have John Favreau and we have Katie Sackhoff, who uh, you know, so it's like a little Starbucks crash down reunion. So we, you know, they get some really good talent in there. Simon Pegg voices Dengar and. It's, Liam Neeson shows up to reprise Qui-Gon yes. Jinn every now and then. It's really fantastic. So, um, of course, you know, voice acting. It, what is the big difference with voice acting versus being a screen actor? Well, the conceptual work is the same. Um, the actual performance aspect is a little bit different. Um, I mean, you know, Aiden, I can get away with having him talk a little bit monotone at times. Because you can see this going on. Yeah, right. You're there. Right. Um, if we're ever shooting far away, I make sure I do a little bit more with my voice to compensate, right? To fill the frame with more personality. When it comes to voiceover stuff, it's all voice. If you don't have an expressive voice, you're why are you there? You're sunk, right? Um, and uh, and what they do in in Clone Wars is they have the whole cast together, so we're all reacting off each other and they have cameras on a lot of us so that they can they can give that to the animators and say here's where they were coming from so but in terms of creating the characters it's the same exact process i mean you know you're thinking about it from different angles and you're trying to create a three-dimensional performance three-dimensional character that people can wonder about that people can look at that guy and say what is he thinking and what's going on with him so, so pretty much with the voice acting then. So you do all the voice, all the lines ahead of time, and then after that's all up to the animators to animate around your voice. They do, and then sometimes they come back and ask us for pickups to fill in little holes or, or to add a, another idea or two. I mean, there were some comedic moments. Comedic. But there were some funnier moments with Darth Maul. Uh, at least moments that he thought was funny yeah. <laughs> were funny. That I'm we sure did. the fans thought it was funny too. Yeah, well, you know, there are little little moments um, that we that we filled in where I was watching the early animation. I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if Darth Maul just kind of laughed here, or, you know, did something like that? But there, or you, you know, got to do the uh, during the battles, you got to do like, a, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, you got to do all that. You got to make all these ridiculous sounds, and um, and that's that's as much part of the character is anything i mean the way that they fight and the, and the the sounds they make and and it's fun to see what they use because they <laughs> i would i would be doing the the sounds and growling and doing all these things and every now and then i'd add a you know a, a, a chuckle to myself can you do a little darth maul line right um now? oh boy can i what are some of the lines that he has um um execute that let, uh, yeah exactly let them drown in their misery Something like that. Yeah, I'm um, loving it. Yeah, he's a he's a sexier Sith Lord than we're used to. <laughs> Something like that. I mean, the the thing with Darth Maul is that, that what was fun about it is you had to remember who trained him, and who trained him is like my favorite villain from all movies is the Emperor. You Darth know? Sidious. Yeah, you know, and I actually I did Darth Sidious for the Force Unleashed. I did his voice. Oh, yeah. I, it, it was a little. I, I forced them into it. <laughs> I said, look, if you're not getting Ian McDermott, the original actor, I'm doing it. And they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, sure I am. They're like, well, then do it. I'm like, oh, I'm not prepared. Damn it. But uh, there was, you know, Sidious is actually a very funny character. Or at least when things are going his way, he's funny. There was this line in Force Unleashed where he says something like, um, he's got all the rebels lined up. And he goes, and and he's talking to them about what's going to happen to them. And he goes... He goes, uh, you have all been branded traitors to the Empire. You will be interrogated, tortured. You will give me the names of your friends and your allies. And then you will die. You know, and you're like, oh, you Dude, know, he's having fun. Perfect. <laughs> I, I seriously, if I was just listening to that and I was going to compare it to, to I, you know, I don't even know the actor's name. Forgive me. But Ian McDermott. If, Ian McDermott. If I was just going to compare that to him speech pattern right on the intonation it, it was flawless you know who does a really good emperor is their new um ian abercrombie was amazing he was the, the the emperor for the clone wars and his last performance 
a little spoiler for people who haven't watched it, but his last performance, he's always been yeah, Chancellor Palpatine and, and hello, Anakin, and trying to help people out. And he's the the that's where it sounds like the really friendly chancellor, the friendly yes. chancellor, and he does that incredibly. Does it so much better than I do, and. The Darth Sidious, the robed guy, the emperor, the future emperor. He'd always just be like in a telephone call, a little hologram, and he'd say, get this done. And then that was it. <laughs> Damn it. You're fired. <laughs> and and so then so then the this final Darth Maul episode is actually his last. He, he passed away a year ago. So the final Darth Maul episode of this season that I did, he's in it. And it's his last performance on The Clone Wars. And the wonderful thing is, in that last performance, it's the first time in the entire series, in 100 episodes where Darth Sidious shows up in person Ooh. to deal with something and it is thrilling stuff and you and finally Ian Abercrombie gets to terrify people with what he does with Darth Sidious which is very much the character that we know from the movies I mean it, it's a thrilling scene I mean it was people were screaming in the audience when we when we watched it you know um, you know that he he takes out his lightsaber and terrifies Darth Maul and, and the Clancy Brown character and, wow it's it's the coolest fight they've ever done. You know, to be honest, you make me want to watch all hundred episodes now. Well, here's the thing. You know, it's it's you you have to be patient with it in the beginning because it's a kids show, but you're going to see some really compelling elements that start getting in there. And uh, you know, by like season four, I mean, you know, Obi Wan Kenobi is like there's this wonderful moment where he's been mistreated uh, this entire episode. He's been like put in with these slaves, and they they figure out. They figure out the way that they can control Obi-Wan is if they hurt everyone around him, you know, and they have all these slaves and they're torturing the slaves whenever Obi-Wan gets out of line. So finally, Obi-Wan, after this whole big battle, he's got the slave master and he's got him cornered and the slave master has no weapons and he's like, and, and it's Obi-Wan and his clone commander and the slave master's like, hey, sorry, Jedi, you're a Jedi and I'm unarmed. You're not going to kill an unarmed opponent. And Obi-Wan just looks at this clone commander and the clone commander takes the spear and kills the guy and you're like yikes wow Obi-Wan Kenobi ordering an execution because he's just fed up yeah. I'm like that's about right it is a war Yeah, this guy needs to go they do dark things even though they're Jedi it's true and you see, a, you see a lot more of that as the show goes on what other projects do you have coming up in the future and then we're going to talk about predictions um, well there's there's always more Clone Wars so that's All fine right. um, spoiler alert Darth Maul does not die woo um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that I'm developing a show with Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, we actually got paid to write this thing which was amazing oh wow and uh, I'm, I can't tell you what it's about but I can tell you that all the characters talk like this <laughs> and it's it's an animated show that that uh, takes place in a world where everyone talks like this like in the 40s and uh, it's really twisted. <laughs> what um, what network is that show going to be on? Do you know yet? I cannot make any predictions oh. or, or divulge anything. We're very early in the process. Oh. We have scripts and and we're working with uh, an animation company in terms of getting uh, a bunch of material together. But very, very early on. Very early in the process. Very good. Well, let's go ahead and move into our predictions, predictions. now. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Oh, no lights? I thought, we, I thought we did the lights thing. I guess that's the other studio. <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, I don't know how many predictions you can give out or if you can give out any from from a fan's perspective. Prediction. But let me, let me go ahead and start off, and then we'll see if you can jump in with one or two or cool. three. <laughs> but I say that uh, Nora might have something some kind of collusion with Liam maybe we've been seeing her absent a lot she's supposedly working but with Liam running around twisting Aaron he's he's acting like a coyote he's not a wolf right. he's, he's being very sly mischievous and he's not honorable I feel I feel like he may be brainwashing Nora prediction possible possible yeah Ooh, not even gonna tell me if I'm wrong prediction pain pain no. <laughs> That's, you gotta do that like Mr. T to really sell it you gotta pain. do it. prediction pain <laughs> it's Rocky 3 okay I think uh, also Sally will have more skin and hair lost next episode mm, why would you say that is it Megan Rath did she blow that one no, no, no. No, that's, no reason no, at all, no. No, that's because... No, it's just yeah. simply because seeing what happened last at the end of the last episode yeah. where Sally's, like, pulling out some of her hair and she's freaking out! Yeah. Josh! She, she definitely has some trouble coming. 
Yeah, because, yeah. It, it, you know, the, the witch never said how long she would be alive. No, she didn't. She only said, when you die, yes. I get your soul. Exactly. Hey, well, the witch may even kill her. There's a really great twist coming with that. Ooh. I'm very happy with what they did with Sally. There's some really fun stuff coming. All right, I'm happy to hear that. And I predict next episode, Liam is going to capture Eden and torture him in some way. Why would you say that? Because he wants retribution for his son. Mm. Why would you think that he'd, he'd get his hands on Aiden? I am just throwing it out there because mm. some, like, I think there was a teaser. Some fan tweeted at me. Oh. They saw the teaser for the whole season, and there's, like, a piece in there where it looks like Aiden's being tortured. Okay. Okay. And, well, it's possible. And, oh, you know what? I also forgot to mention something really fast. Connor Price underscore tweeted at me, <laughs> and he said he used to joke about you with your band Crash Tones and when you were going to make a second album. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. It's just a little <laughs> bit slow going. because I've been. Where can we listen to that? You can listen to the first album on iTunes, or you can order the physical disc on CDBaby.com. Okay. The Crash Tones on iTunes. That's your band. That's it. And you where can it. we find you? Where you can you find me? You can find me at Sam Whitwer on Twitter. Um, and uh, Instagram at all or no, no. Facebook. I also yeah, have, you have a Facebook a fan page. Fan page. And uh, you can follow me at Sean Austino on Twitter uh, at it's Sean O on Instagram. And Sam Whitwer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Really appreciate it. a great talk, you know. And uh, we hope you come back. You know, we would love to have oh, you back here for the finale. You know, when, totally. Let's for, do it. So we'll we'll talk about that later. We're on. setting it up now. Watch this. Yes, we're going to talk yeah. about it. And thank you guys so much for joining us here at AfterBuzz TV. And we'll see you next week. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 